there was a there was an incident at um, in the leadership realm to where the executive pastor had made a comment about a woman's body that was his um, uh, his admin. Um, to which became a witch hunt on everybody else but him and the male, all male elders. Elders, I mean, uh, how focused. dare her have a body? It's fucked up when you think about right. it. And so my fate was sealed because I was one of those that that thought it was wrong. Um, so at that same time, everything happened. Um, they made me sign a non-disclosure agreement. Damn, For, NDAs. You know things are getting weird when NDAs get brought into the picture. I'm the only one they've ever had sign an NDA. And the reason they knew they could have me do it is because I needed that three-month severance where literally my kids are on the street. Another episode of Growing Up Christian. I'm Casey. I'm Sam. And I'm Jeremiah. Jeremiah's Woo! here. I'm back. <laughs> it's been so long, dude. <laughs> I know. I'm really sorry. You guys you're have invited always, me on so uh, many times. Every time I uh, text you, you're uh, away for the weekend cosplaying Frankie Muniz. <laughs> <laughs> I really hate that that's an actual, like, that joke works. <laughs> Yeah, Dude, what's <laughs> what is the what's the name of the race car driver on uh, Righteous Gemstones? Oh shit! I don't think remember. of what it is. <laughs> Woohoo, sucker! <laughs> you start oh, wait, shouting is that, that. Is that in season three? I haven't watched season three yet. I just start. Yeah, it is. Okay. I, I I'm like three episodes into it. Is it just wow, as you good guys as are always? Behind. Yeah, it's totally ridiculous. It's pretty awesome. funny. Awesome. But yeah, I'm sorry I've been away for so long. I'm back. I'll never leave yeah. you again. Racing car- until next summer and spring. Or I mean, fall when you're racing. Well, it hasn't just been about racing. Like I've also been extremely injured, Sam. <laughs> I've also that's, been. That's right. Notice, notice how I'm standing right now. It's because I can't sit at my desk for long periods. I actually of time. didn't notice because it's. I still only see at like just above the nipples, below the shoulder, and I only yeah. can say that because uh, you're not wearing a shirt right now. And I exactly. I'm not convinced that you don't have like mechanical ones. spider legs. Yeah, I got them since we last saw each other in person last. I mean, I've gotten very good at them. Perfect. Does New Balance make uh, white dad sneakers for spider legs? <laughs> <laughs> they do. You can get an eight for one deal. <laughs> oh, Lord. daddy loves a deal. Daddy long legs. Speaking of which, I know you like going to thrift stores, Casey. I am trying to put together a cosplay costume for Cars and Coffee. If you find a Dale Earnhardt shirt of any type, I'm interested. Okay, I will keep it. The Intimidator. Yeah, ideally an extra large. I'll be flexible. If I can cut it into a crop top, I can make that work too. But yes, that's important, dude. Uh, Dude, those are probably readily available on eBay. Like some good ones. They probably are. I want one that's like not in like really preserved condition i want the right type of like someone just cleaned out their closet and just tossed out their 20 year old earnhardt shirt i mean i think the dirtier those are the better they sell for like if there's like right that's what, all I, over them. i'm not looking for that i'm not looking for like a vintage like somebody wearing an old acdc shirt or something gotcha. like i it needs to perfectly match like the faded cut off jean shorts the white new balances and then i'm getting me a pair of pit vipers and just hit up cars and coffee nice there we go. Yeah, you need like a mud flap too. It's the old uh, Oklahoma 
the mud pie? Uh, that's a hairstyle? Feather duster. <laughs> that's that's yeah, like the, like the a mullet, mullet where it's where there's way too much contrast. Like a mullet is almost classy in comparison to the mud flap, where the mud right, flap is blended like, into the mullet. The mud flap is that where it's just like the bottom, like right. Like imagine you didn't have a guard on the clippers and you tried to make a mullet. That's okay. pretty much what that would turn into. <laughs> it's got to be really flat too. It's, it's like a rat flat and kind of contour yeah, to your. It's neck. It's like a rat tail, but goes along the whole bottom of your neck. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's it's a like, wide rat tail. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's like someone. It's a platypus. Like, ran over. Yeah, no, it's a beaver tail. Yeah, you get the beaver tail going. I get it. I'm catch. I get it now. It's perfect, dude. Speaking of thrift stores, so we we've been traveling some, and uh, we've been in. I feel like we've been in a bunch of vintage clothing stores in the past couple of months here. Uh, April Casey, really Urban likes... Outfitters doesn't count as vintage clothing store. I'm sorry. No, oh, dude, the vintage clothing stores are insane. Yeah, like it's it's funny because you go in there and you start looking around, and there's like there's like a tenth of the total stock that you're like, oh, that's kind of cool. I could see that. That looks like that would work for something. And then it's just like every ugly thing that your grandma never threw away. Yeah, it's like it's like 40 years you you crack open the storage unit and the one box that wasn't destroyed by like floodwaters. That's what they put in there. And it's just hideous crap. And it's, and it's, it's like, so expensive. It's like 40 pairs of acid wash jeans for women that are like several sizes too big and long so that way you can high waist them. And you can put that thin little belt in the belt through the belt loops and like crimp them around your waist. I yeah. was in. I was in Santa Barbara, California uh, a few weeks ago and we went to like this outdoor shopping, like outdoor walking mall type thing. You know, just a bunch of different shops and there was this like specialty. No, it was like, well, strip mall for like like fancy people. Yeah. Fancy strip mall. Fancy people. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Strip malls. We know that those are fancy people. I got you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So there's this like vintage store that's it's one of those stores that like there's a big stack of records. There's a bunch of old books. There's like the kitschy magnets like it legitimately has some cool stuff, but you really have to root around and find things. And so I was going through one of the like 200 different clothing racks, uh, just looking at random stuff. Like, and there was like this a shirt store for clothes. Where it's like pretty much but, but like clothes and knickknacks and all kinds of things like it was just old, weird junk. And uh, this shirt was labeled as a Night of the Living Dead shirt or like a zombie shirt. And it was an O Sleeper shirt uh, from like 2009. It didn't <laughs> fit though. Funny. It was a small. I really <laughs> wanted to buy it. You should have. But it was, like, I think it, it was like, the, it was the Bring Out the Dead shirt or something they had that had zombies on it. And, but I mean, it very, like I said, O Sleeper in giant tech. So I guess they just didn't know what it was. Oh just, man. No, the dude, teenagers I, working the counter. No respect. Dude, they're... The funniest, maybe some of the funniest level. Okay, if you rank like levels of disappointment that people experience, and you get to like kind of kind of watch from the sidelines, like getting your car evaluated for trade in is that's definitely one of those. Like <laughs> yeah. so many angry people are like thirty one hundred dollars. Are you insane? Yeah, you know. But I don't think any. I don't think you see tell anybody. You how many times they've gotten an oil change in it. They have all of the seats. <laughs> Bring out the big in the glove box for every year of maintenance. It's only highway mileage. Only it's never <laughs> been on any road but a highway. <laughs> highway yeah. mileage. There's no that. like 
bigger le- like level of disappointment that's that's as fun to watch as somebody hauling in bags of clothes to like Plato's closet. I don't know. Have Dude, you uh, have you stood behind kids trading in their PS4 games? <laughs> oh, I game forgot time? about that. That that's well, high on the list. <laughs> Dude, even when Nintendo 64 was at its height, you bring in like the five you never play hoping you can get like you know, at least 50% off the new one. They're like I mean, you had the classic, you had all the good ones and they're like we can give Madden you 375 for 96. And you're like <laughs> What? Unless it's Super Smash Brothers or Mario Kart, in which case it's still worth like $30 somehow. Yeah, but it wasn't when it was popular, when N64 was popular. But if you brought in Super Smash Bros. for N64 now, they'd probably be like, we'll give you $1,000 and we're going to display this uh, and everyone will be begging for it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, dude. It, like, it is very funny to watch like a... Like a but let's say a 24 year old lady come in with two giant bags of clothing and watch these like angsty, miserable teenage girls that are working the counter, just like rifle through their stuff and just toss it aside as if it's trash. (laughs) You see like people's face turn red and they're just fuming, you know? So it's funny. It's funny to be, to not be on the receiving end of at least. (laughs) Um, okay so i had a so what my my wednesday last week sucked balls um so uh one of the a listener of the podcast is doing uh he's in school he's doing a college project where he's got to record like a podcast and stuff it's uh, he he has a background in that stuff he's produced podcasts for a long time but he had asked if I was able to do a recording with him for this project that was due the next day. And I was like, absolutely. I'll, I'll do it. No problem. So we were set to record, uh, at noon that day. And then he had to have the project done and posted by like seven or something. Right. So I woke up at three in the morning that morning with a, like a splitting headache and, I get migraines. So like I, I got up and took some medicine thinking like, I'll go back to sleep. Everything will be fine. And like, it was not. And I just like, I couldn't sleep. And then I, I like four o'clock I get up and I'm like, Oh, and so I like threw up and, and then it's just like the cycle from there is like sleep a little bit, get up, throw up everything that you have. Oh my God. That sounds awful. Yeah. So April jumped in and she, she did the interview and it all turned out good and stuff. But uh, like two o'clock, I'm starting to like come out of it. I've taken like an unsafe amount of medication to try to like break it, you know, like no, my doctor would not appreciate the number of like prescription <laughs> pills I took to get, get rid of it. But I was starting to come around. I'm like, I got to get out of here and just get some like junk food. So I finally roused myself at like two 30 I drive into town. We have uh, kind of a big deal. Okay, two things that have made my town infinitely better in the past like couple of months. We now have a very nice, very contemporary looking Wendy's. Ooh. Oh hell yeah! You got like the straight sides, like the big, this big the straight runner? sides, dude. Oh, man, dude. straight reds. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I like a straight red Wendy's. 
makes me feel makes it feel fancy. That's a man who lives on the road. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> That's a guy Dude, who travels. There's, there's times, especially when you're like not feeling very good, where a frosty is just the best medicine there is. It's been, I can't argue with you. Yeah, that's it. Ha- it's probably been ten years since I've had a frosty. To be honest, they're delicious. They have they've only gotten better as they've aged. I don't. I might oh, guess and I got they a Harbor Freight at all. Oh, you have a Harbor Freight now? They just opened. I missed the grand Heck opening because yeah. I was traveling, but it's open now, so that's very exciting. But uh, I get some junk food. I go to the warehouse. I'm doing a little bit of work and stuff like that. And then I get like a frantic call from April. Um, she'd been doing laundry and then she was busy doing this other stuff, left the machine running and it's just, it's overfilled. Dude, I don't know how much water came out of this thing, but like half of my house was soaked. No, like our laundry room's right in the entryway. And then like, you've got just, you know, straight through, there's like a cloth, like a walk-in closet. And then on the other side of that is the edge of our bedroom, you know, and the door and stuff. It's soaked through all the way to our bedroom. And then it got, it went like there's ducts in the floor. So like the water went into the duct work and went, you know, downward. So it was pouring out of like the ductwork in the basement all over the place. The light fixtures, you know, which we did all that ourselves. Like there's water pouring out of the light fixtures, an insane amount of water. And so, yeah, so God, no dude. more than got to feeling better and got a little frosty in my tum tum. And, and then my entire house flooded and we had to move everything and set up fans and buy a, you know, big air mover to, to try to dry it out. It was, it was a terrible day. <laughs> it was the worst day ever. Do you think you're going to have to like rip any carpet or anything up? No, thankfully I don't have hardly, we barely have any carpet in our house. We did okay, all good. like laminate flooring, but I definitely have some like watermarks and stuff on the ceiling in the basement. Oh yeah. They're minor. It's not that big of a deal, but very irritating. Yeah, I just put a new part in the washer. I'm I'm hoping that it's fixed. Dude, water damage is one of the most like con- when you see water places it's not supposed to be. It's one of the most concerning feelings, and I know so stressful. Yeah, and typically it needs to be like prolonged for it to cause any like real damage. But enough water really will you know fuck your shit up pretty easily. Uh, that's terrible, dude. I remember when I. Uh, I left my hose um, plugged, uh, not I screwed into the spigot um, over the winter, and it was off. But like, I never had like when I last time. I guess the last time I had turned it off, I never like uh, released the water from the hose because mm. uh, I left the uh, sprayer like the nozzle on it, and I just didn't. So all the water, of course, like it froze in the spigot and ended up cracking it. And for weeks and weeks, um, or even longer, I'm like turning it on to water. Uh, I had planted a bunch of stuff, so I'm just watering it every day. Uh, and finally, it's actually like right where I do this. Um, I realize like, it just took me a little while to realize I'm like, I probably had to have been a good full week, which actually doesn't make sense. I, I feel like it was a while, but 
obviously what did it split doing a this. pipe or what yeah it split the spigot so like the water was just leaking in into my basement uh oh, for a, a while but it kind of just like went down the wall and what i have is like right where i am um even though it looks okay behind me uh if i took a video of everything else it would look horrible down here it this is a shithole that i'm recording in um his feet are in standing water right uh, now <laughs> my foot is literally dangling into the hole where a sump pump would go but i don't have a sump pump but that why not because i haven't needed it was put in here because right this wall behind me is where i will eventually put a bathroom in my basement and uh we would do a shit like so we would need to be able to the oh that's where you put the like like the bank teller vacuum thing, but for turds. Yep, exactly. Uh, so the water would just, I would see a little, I saw like some water marks, but like it would dry enough, I guess, before I would catch on. But then I finally realized that the this area where the I would put the sub pump is like, it's like full of water um, because it had just leaked into that. And I was able to like shop back it out and everything, but yeah. Uh, it, then you start like investigating, you're like looking at everything. You're like, so what, what am I going to find out five years from now is full of black mold and going to cost me $10,000. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you had, didn't you, you had your basement all full of water not that long ago. Oh yeah. 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 I had to pour a new concrete footer at like two in the morning, yeah. uh, to, <laughs> to get it to stop. That was a fun night. Did you ever um, end up with mold or anything? I don't know. We uh we just ran the dehumidifier for like four weeks and took out yeah. every scrap of moisture from down there. It took a long time for the smell to go away. But like we did pry up at the low spot. There's, there's a definite low spot in the basement where there is not a hole for a sump pump, but it's definitely graded to be a low spot. So I'm curious, did someone like fill this in a long time ago because they wanted to finish the basement? Because if so, I hate that person. That's a great <laughs> idea if they did. Yeah, but then we, we popped up like the the transition strip so that we could like stick a fan underneath the carpet and like blow out. And it, it looked clean under there. It didn't look like there was any mold, but it smelled a little musty for a while and it took a while for that to go away. So I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. It's a gamble, man. It I mean, sucks. I think I told the story, but I um, I just knew people who bought a house and after they bought it, they realized like underneath one of the cabinets like, oh, that's that's mold. And it got missed in the inspection shit and then they turns out like something a uh, pipe had burst at some point in the walls um and it wasn't disclosed and they had to rip out the entire wall the kitchen everything it was full full of mold um i've got one of those i think right outside my office where a couple years ago we had a leak uh between where the addition joined the old house and there was just some transitions there on the roof that I don't know if they weren't properly sealed up or like the caulking cracked over time, who knows, but it looked like it wasn't properly set up in the first place with like the overlapping shingles and stuff. And so I had some drips come through on one side and on the other side, it like ran down the inside of the wall. And so the drywall got really soft there and I've just parked and left that. That is a project I'm going to come back to at some point, but like, I know I'm just going to have to cut everything out. So we hit it with a whole bunch of mold killer and everything just in case, but like, I don't know, is it going to be, oh, I have to replace like some sheetrock and a few things of insulation, or am I going to open it up and it's just going to be like decayed in there? Dude, mold is the scariest thing. When you have a home, you're like, if you hear mold, you're like, how do I burn this place to the ground and get the insurance money? That's your first <laughs> right. thought. 
fucking nightmare. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, so our guest today is somebody that we followed on social media for quite a while. Uh, Brad Life Coach at Brad Life Coach is what he goes by on Instagram. And uh, Sam and I did like an Instagram live thing with him for, I don't know, 30, 40 minutes, something like that back about a year year and a half ago. Yeah, it was a little over a year ago. I think we talk about how much time passes, even though it feels like, uh, I don't know, it doesn't feel like it was that long ago that we did that, but it it must have been over a year ago. Yeah, so been a little bit, but um, yeah, Sam and I were, we, well, couple of things you know brad posts a lot of stuff on social media and some of it you know some of it's spicy and you know to get some discussion going on his posts about you know um religion related topics and stuff and i I should mention he was a pastor for 20 years before deconstructing and leaving the church and then you know turning to uh to counseling and stuff like that life coaching um, he would as as he delineates in the the episode, he would put a he he draws the line between what he does and what licensed counselors do. It's a little it's different. I right. I'll come to his yeah, aid on that. That's one. that's a good distinction to make. And that was <laughs> that was some of the stuff that we were curious about too. Is like there, okay, well, life coaching's taking off, right? We're seeing a lot of life coaches pop up on social media. So we were uh, since we had that rapport with him, we were curious to to pick his brain on it. Yeah, and I think there's some there's some bad actors in that space. Uh, Brad is not one of them. We no. had a great time talking to him. He was very uh, he was very forthright about like the you know the 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 limits of where you know life coaching and take it goes out and you know counseling or therapy takes over how those two things work together and how it's important to have probably have both, you know, if you're going to do life coaching, you probably should have a therapist too, that you're talking to. And yeah, I just had a really interesting story. We had a great time talking to him. And I think, uh, you know, after, after talking to him a little bit about some of those topics, I felt a lot better about life coaching as a whole. I think I would be, real careful about who I, who I, uh, you know, hired for that. But like somebody like Brad, I think is, is nothing but a good choice for, for people. For sure. Yeah. I think that's what's interesting about life coaching. It's like, um, I don't know. I mean, honestly, the same could be said for counseling. I know of plenty of people who have had counselors who are licensed mental health counselors. They have their LMHC. Um, that aren't good. Uh, and so like <laughs> you get Hannibal Lecter. Yeah. No, he was very good. He was super talented. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's possible to get counselors that aren't good. Uh, it's possible to get life coaches that aren't good. Um, most good counselors or most people who would suggest counseling or, or finding a therapist would be like, yeah, you might try out several before you find the right one for you. Um, some, perhaps life coaching the same, but I think, yeah, I guess there was definitely a level of skepticism for me in, in that field. Uh, just because of, you know, I don't, I'm not, I wasn't sure what the, the oversight was, the, the, you know, is it kind of a rogue thing? Is it similar to just being a pastor, but 
but moving outside of Christianity and, and, uh, and we had that conversation and, you know, just, the I guess a quick note on the difference would be like, you know, pastors are very quick to tell you what to do and what to believe and how to think and life coaches. That's not really their MO if, if they're doing it right. Um, but yeah, it was a cool conversation. Brad was fun. He was a good sport with, uh, the questions like, you know, we, we were genuinely curious about it because we came from it. We came at it oh, from a somewhat critical lens, uh, from some of the, you know, some of the people who pop off on Instagram and social media and TikTok uh, seem like losers, to be honest. So like, uh, that's why we want to talk to him because we, we had that rapport and we thought he, like he, he, he was a kind person. We thought we'd be able to ask him the kinds of questions that we were interested in asking without it, without, while keeping it, you know, as we like to do, keeping it light and fun. And he's has a great sense of humor, um, great demeanor. So we had a really good time just kind of hammering away at it with him. Yeah. So should definitely follow Brad on social media and I'll post a link to his website that has all the info about, you know, his services and how to get in touch with him and decide if, you know, maybe schedule a consultation if you're interested in that sort of thing. And, uh, yeah, as always, if you're enjoying the show, we would really appreciate it. There's a lot of you guys that listen to the show and we have like 60 some reviews on iTunes. So yeah, it's not lighting up could, properly. Yeah. Just if you can, if you don't mind, could you do us a favor and just leave us a quick review wherever you listen to the show? We would greatly appreciate it. And you should definitely join the discord. We got some new people in there lately and uh, it's a fun place to be. And it's also a place where, you know, it's a good place to bring some of the Your maybe parents. you got stuff yeah maybe you got stuff going on that uh you can't exactly talk to people you know or really out in public about you know i mean you can do so pretty anonymously in in discord and yeah. it's also where we sometimes get into you know little tougher discussions about current events and stuff like that got some really smart people in there from uh all over the place uh, Australia, Canada, you know, every place. Yeah. So it matter. Uh, real quick though, Jeremiah, have you written yes. a review for the, for us? Have you written a review for the podcast? Ooh, Ooh. I honestly don't remember. Oh, I don't... fuck you. Thanks oh, for listening. I feel like I'm gonna have we to... will <laughs> see you next time. I got to create an iTunes account. I'm sorry. <laughs> I wrote us a review. How about that? <laughs> if I can do it, you can do it. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, with all that being said, enjoy our conversation with Brad Klausman. And we're back with our guest, Brad. Brad Life Coach. How you doing, Brad? I am great. How about yourselves? Not too bad. Glad to finally uh, get to talk to you again. Yeah, it's been a while. So, I'm look- I've been looking forward to this all week. It has been. I, when was so for uh, again uh, for our listeners because we did uh, one of Brad's Instagram lives, which is still uh, you can still find that on Instagram because it's live once, but then it just is a reel afterwards. Is that how Instagram works? They <laughs> um, also have you on YouTube too, so you know. Oh, nice. Ah, uh-huh. yeah. You guys Check. are famous. <laughs> but I don't remember how long ago that was. It's weird how time blends together because I've we've. We've talked with people that we've 
talked with previously on this and they're like can you believe it's been a year and it's like oh holy shit it's been a year uh so i don't even remember when we did that live but it was actually a while ago now wasn't it yeah it was almost a year yeah it was a while right i mean yeah yeah it's been about a year so brett are you a full-time live coach or do you do you work elsewhere too or no i am a a full-time life coach um and loving every minute of it that's pretty sick gotcha. I, that's just, that's a world that i actually only i feel like i got introduced to through just like post christianity where you're like oh this is a there's a thing on this side of it and this is what happened i, I know it was interesting to realize that like uh the, that that market in that lane i, I found that and it's funny because even just like as a, someone who's post-Christian you st- and as um, I'm currently in, in grad school, I probably was when last time we talked to, because I feel like it's never ending. <laughs> Actually, um, I think you, but that's good. That's yeah. Good. As a, so like it, for school adjustment counseling. Uh, so a lot of it's counseling oriented and you're just um, as I've moved into that lane, I'm like, there's such a big, when you look at the uh, the exodus of evangelicalism and and how people are leaving it in droves, it's like there really is a big market for um, mental health services for people who have who have left even the evangelical world. I I totally agree. It actually kind of like it boomed, right? It kind of almost came out of nowhere. You'd heard about it a little bit before, you know, with some famous people or whatever have you, but but when in in right before around 2020, it really took off a little bit before, but right around then, because just like you said, there's a mass exodus of people and they all found each other on IG or some platforms and they started grouping together in communities, if you will. Like, oh, you too? You had that as well? Right. And and it wasn't as popular within, um, you know, um, with psychology or psychologists or counseling um, services because religious trauma was still fairly new, right? You know, the PTSD from it and other things like that, that was still fairly new. And, but, but life coaching provide this opportunity not to provide counseling, but instead of support where you had lost community, Hey, I will walk through with you and provide at least some sort of community to help you walk this journey. Yeah, right. I actually I really appreciate that delineation between the difference of counseling and life coaching because it's obviously a different thing. Um, totally. But I think some people in the life coaching world might be more likely to either intentionally or unintentionally uh, represent themselves and in, in what they're there for. Uh, so you pointing that out, I actually think is uh, really helpful. It, it, it's like pastoral counseling. Right. You know, I mean, between pastoral counseling and counseling in some ways. Right. Because it's like it's like is pastoral counseling counseling? No. Yeah. Right. No. Can there be possible good advice that comes from it? Sure. But it's not it's not counseling. It's not like um, you're not a licensed counselor. I'm not tied to one state. And licensed in that one state, as you see a lot of psychologists or, or therapists are right, right. Um, because of that, um, I can talk with anybody all over, and I've I've had people I've talked with overseas. So, it, it's it's different. 
however, I always encourage my clients to seek therapy as well. Mm. Uh, a matter of fact, I would say the majority, I maybe have only had one person that has not been in therapy while doing life coaching with me. Okay. I think benefits are definitely astronomically better when that takes place. Right. Is it kind of like when they're talking to you, is it kind of like that, uh, you know, step parent for the weekend dynamic where you get them to try to spill the dirt and tell you how dumb the, uh, the other one is. I know. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I would do. Not at all. Matter of fact, there are certain things that I refuse to talk about because I say, Hey, listen, that's for you to talk to a therapist about. Like you've got to know your borders and your boundaries, right? You've got to know, Hey, this is above what I'm, where I'm willing to go. All right. This is people are trained to have conversations about this or that. Right. Um, and so I always make sure that, Hey, I'm the person I give out my phone number to my clients so they can text me. They can call me throughout the entire week. All right. I'm that, I'm that person that helps them reach their goals and understands what it means to be in the church and to leave the church. Right. Um, and why the church does what it does. Cause I used to be a pastor. Right. So that's okay, but it's important for them to, at least for, you know, therapy where we're having to talk about those other personal conversations that they need to have with their therapist. They don't need to have with me. Interesting. Uh, yeah. What would be like the, what would be like the parameters of something that you would be like, uh, um, it's uh, like somebody confesses to me anything about sexual abuse. Okay. Right off okay. The that's bat. a good one. Boom. No. Okay. That's for your therapist. I'm here to help you spiritually heal. If you want to call it that or, or become more you not heal you from sexual abuse. Right. Where you would want someone who's specialized in any form of, you know, exactly. therapy related to people who've gone through traumatic experiences, uh, especially, yeah, obviously related to, sexual or physical abuse, things like that. That does make sense. Um, uh, What about fetishes? Is that (laughs) something that you talk about? Yeah. How many people talk to you about their fetishes? If I texted you and I said, uh, okay, let's. I'm a big fan of men in, uh, with glasses and goatees. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Well, let me put on a bigger set of glasses for you. (laughs) Oh, you had your Peters on before. Oh yeah. Like, that's the beauty of diabetes, right? You can only see a little bit, right? So, oh, you um, got the socks to go with it. I, I like the socks. I, hey, hey big diabetic socks. sock fetish. Don't <laughs> knock the socks, right? So, and surprisingly enough, a lot of times actually fetishes aren't a problem because um, you find that people that have walked the journey of conservative Christianity have suppressed like certain desires. Yeah. Right. Um, and they, they want to be able to embrace those, those desires now below the knee and above the shin just gets them going. Turn on. So, um, no, but I mean, it's, it's interesting because it's like, okay, my, my avenue for that is, Hey, I encourage them to in safe consenting ways to explore those if they, if they want to, right. I'm not a judgment. I have, I, when my clients come to me, my job is not to mold them who I think they should be because that's Christianity, right? So my job um, is to just encourage them along the ways and become the people they want to become. 
Okay. Right? So let me give you a scenario here. Uh-oh. Let's say yeah. it's okay. the weekend and it's kind of late. All right. And I send you like a text with a pic attached to it, right? From a bathroom. And I take a picture God. of the red, God. the red biohazard box on the wall in the bathroom. And I say, Bradley, oh, I th- think I want to put my penis in there. <laughs> but this door doesn't have a lock. What should I do? <laughs> okay. You're not going to abandon me and say, see a therapist, are you? Because that would be lame. <laughs> well, okay, hang on. Okay. So, never got a pick from a client. So that's good. That's I good. I do have boundaries, right? You know, I do. They also know if they text me and I don't answer right away, it's because I'm busy. You're potentially putting your dick in a biohazard box. <laughs> I'm potentially box. doing that with the biohazard, right? No, um, I, I don't. <laughs> no, um, I'm having my own holiday party. Um, no, I, I, I. I don't answer that. Uh, <laughs> and and it's a, hey, this is not appropriate, you know, testing boundaries have been crossed, you know, uh, so forth. So that's a whole different discussion. All right. Do I throw them out the window? They'll probably do that on their own with the biohazard box. I, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I keep thinking of that game. You remember that game when you're a kid? It was like a plat, like a clear plastic cylinder, and you put all these little sticks through uh-huh. the outside of it. Oh and yeah, then yeah. If the balls fell, that but testicles. Yep. <laughs> and and the sticks are syringes. Is that what you're saying? You yeah. syringes. Yeah, I gotcha. You, you uh, got it. It's kind of like that scene in Saw Two where that person gets thrown into the syringe pit to find the antidote to all the poison that's in the syringes. You will never be one of my clients. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> I do have a screening process, believe <laughs> I could use some advice. Casey already has not passed. It. See, it's funny though because Casey, I'm looking to put the training wheels back on my decision making. Yeah. <laughs> He's already not passing the screening process, which kind of makes yeah. him the most. It, it makes it most necessary for him to need some sort of help. Yes. Yeah. Well, the, definitely, definitely by his line of questioning, there is help. Um, for you. Um, it's just not my kind of help, obviously. <laughs> with it. But cool. it's disappointing and encouraging. I know, right? So I do have a screening process. There's always a free 30-minute phone call um, to which helps me. I ask a series of questions and it helps us be able to identify whether or not we can work with one another, right? So if someone comes to me and I, I for some reason think, hey, you need I can't handle anything you're saying. You need a therapist or looks at me and go, Hey, this is right up my alley. We can do this. So there is that screening process that takes place. Well, I'm going to think long and I'm going to think hard <laughs> oh, God. about how I want to manipulate how much I want to divulge process. to you during yeah. that call. <laughs> is he like, how can I present as normal enough Right. Get in there, Brad. Just want to freaking in really And we can have the conversation of why you lied to me about the questions I asked you in the very first meeting. <laughs> I feel so, like we could, we have, unless Casey desperately needs to ask another hypothetical, which maybe he's about to do. Um, 
I want to, why don't we get a quick snapshot of like your life and how you kind of moved into this field? Cause you mentioned you were a pastor. Uh, it sounds like you were, yeah. you were a pastor for a while. Um, so a little bit of the upbringing, what brought you into being a pastor and then your kind of exit from that into, and, and finding uh, your new found career. All right. I'll give you just a snippet. All right. So that you're not here all night. Um, like a pastor would do if he was talking, he'd give you more in a snippet. So I need this to, re- I need, I really need examples in like how this relates to like football or some dumb fucking sports game. That's, <laughs> that'll help me pay attention. Cause I'm a loser. I can so. do that with my father wound. How about that? I mean, there we go. Right. So, so I grew up, um, in church. All right. Um, middle child, people pleaser, perfect, perfect kids to buy into anything you want never walked outside the lines Ah, that's my story you're you're speaking my language there we go all right um did everything please people i played sports that pleased my dad i went to church it pleased my mom i discovered that hey people really like me in this this christian school when i followed god right be called into the ministry at age like 15 Right. Got lots of hoorays, hurrahs, whatever you want to call them. Uh, went to Christian college, majored in biblical studies. Which Christian college? Palm Beach Atlantic University. Oh, Palm, yeah. I, I knew some people who went to that one. Uh, yep. That was a, ah, whew, as a Liberty University guy, when at least, look, you went there earlier than I did. So things were maybe more conservative in your time. But uh, uh, actually, I, I think that. I don't know. It's kind of a catch point too. Cause I think they became even more conservative after I left. Really? Because I yeah. feel like Palm beach Atlantic, you said Palm beach Atlantic, right? Yeah. Uh, that PBA became PBA. less conservative after oh, nowadays. They had a, they had a real up and down. Wow. Their, their journey is spectacular. Yeah. Nowadays they're more aligned, more Southern Baptist than anything else, but anyway, Oh, right. So, well, as uh, a, Look, every university is like the standard, though. So oh, like, yes, it is. You I, and the uh, pool boys are yes. standard material. So and the people I knew who were at Palm Beach Atlantic were, you know, it's Florida. I get it. It's summer all the time. Hour, but, uh, were not acceptable at Liberty, and they seem to have been at Palm Beach Atlantic, at least. Well, that's because Palm Beach Atlantic didn't have a beach at that time. <laughs> they made one. Yeah, they just dropped cool. a nuke and. <laughs> filled that crater with water they totally did they ushered in a whole bunch of sand right so That's i sick. mean yeah it was a seawall when i was there um there was no beach um so yeah um graduated um uh with my biblical studies there went to seminary at, at knops uh new orleans baptist theological seminary um got my master's there um and I'd been interning at churches, been doing youth camps, been interning at youth camps, you know, all that kind of stuff um, up until that point um, and went into the ministry um, and, and been in ministry for 20 plus years. Was that uh, uh, another Southern Baptist brand of seminary? Oh, oh yeah. I mean, totally Southern Baptist. I think what's neat about seminaries is like you could go to like Harvard Divinity School, right? And you'll get like legit um, academic biblical criticism. Um, And 
people come out on all different ends of the spectrum there. I mean, I, 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 people will go there and get that criticism and still be more on their like conservative side. Some people will be like full liberal. Um, and it's, it's just interesting to me that like you have colleges that actually present like a, in their seminaries, legitimate textual criticism. Uh, and then you have, like I got a biblical studies major at Liberty, which was like, this is the right answer to everything. If you don't think this way, then you, then you don't get an A. Um, yeah. But people who graduate from Harvard Divinity School end up pastoring at one of those Unitarian churches that has like <laughs> only fans workshops on the weekend. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah that's Where? true. Plenty, <laughs> plenty of them do. Most are affirming. I know it's a tragedy, um, but it's uh I thought that that's something that's always fascinated me, especially towards my later twenties, thinking about uh, seminaries, conservative cemetery uh, cemeteries. Well, they're the same. You're right. That's what we call them. <laughs> and it's for those the seminaries, where it's like it's not like undergrad is like this is where we teach you things because you're still dumb, uh, and then seminary or grad school is where you're supposed to be like, okay, now we're vaguely interested in your opinions. Uh, and we'll entertain the th- idea that maybe you have an independent thought that it's not bullshit. And then like, and then your PhD is like, now we actually care about what you think because you're a learned individual who can, who can work through material and come up with their own opinion that matters. And on one subject, those are the steps, right? But so much of like, so many seminaries are still that undergrad treatment of like, Oh no, 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 that's not correct. This is correct. And now you need to regurgitate these same five points in a poem that we've told you are true. And I don't know. It's so strange. So I'm guessing uh you said Nops or Nop is uh is Well, New Orleans Nop. Baptist Theological Seminary, but we got tired of saying the long version, so it was just Nops. Yeah. Um, it sounds like that was one of those like this is what the right thing to believe is, uh, with not so much of an interest in people it's a real con- coming up with their own discoveries. Theme after graduating well, from Mar-a-Lago Christian College, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it is, and it was because it's Southern Baptist, right? And we all know how the Southern Baptists work. Um, you know, if you're not, if they're not following the Baptist faith and message, there's an issue. Right, um, it comes right I, down to it. lot sixty percent of their pastors have to be over 300 pounds i think is what it is. i think there's like a thing there where it's like you gotta yeah and, and the best and, part is hearing them speak on discipline while they're up there 300 right. plus pounds so it's great yeah. it's great it's, it's okay a, it's fine there's a beautiful <laughs> dynamic where it's like the, the less they take care of themselves and the less they give a fuck the more attractive their wife is it's really strange it's like a one for one <laughs> Smoking hot, right? I mean, smoking hot, <laughs> smoking hot. <laughs> Steakums razor. Yeah. So I, I a Steakums razor. So I. That's awesome. <laughs> so I started um, actually personally deconstructing without realizing I was deconstructing um, in college. Um, I didn't agree with the way women were portrayed in the Bible or the way the the church was using them. Um, I, I, and then not long after that, um, after I got married, uh, my former wife and I had a miscarriage. And so I really questioned God about that. 
Like I had a hard time grappling with that. And I just couldn't get past that. And no no amount of Christian counseling did good, right? Um, um, And then um, I really struggled with the treatment or the bait and switch of everybody's welcome, um, but not really. Only if you change in LGBTQ plus community. And my daughter came out as, as, as lesbian when I was a pastor in one of the churches. Okay. Um, and right then and there, I knew it was either my daughter or my job. Did you tell your daughter how selfish that was? <laughs> do that? It's classic because she did it without telling me. And I, I didn't even know. All right. She did it without telling me on a Sunday morning in small group. So I had all these people walking up to me, including her teachers. All right, and it's a church. It's not huge. It's about 2,500 people. All right. And I had all these people coming up to me that were there and saying, hey, listen, what you know, we're praying for your daughter. Basically saying they're going to fix her. And I'm just like, what? What the F? Why are you going to fix my daughter? What's wrong with my daughter? And then I said, well, you know, she... She came out, you know, this morning and said she's a lesbian. And we know that, hey, we're just going to be praying for her and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, there's nothing wrong with my daughter. I mean, it's a no-brainer for me. My clients I talk to, a lot of them, their parents have left them. have kicked them out. Hmm. I can't imagine that. And I was like, hey, despite my life, 48 years of building my career in this and knowing that I only have Bible degrees, Right. At least in my mind. <laughs> I'm not for right? but yeah. And, and you're just kind of like, I do only have a Bible degree <laughs> right now. I use my daughter every single effing time, every time. Right. And so, and I couldn't reconcile with them because suddenly my belief systems over the entire span of my life were changing. And I couldn't reconcile how the church was being the church. Right. And so, okay, I'm done. And I took, I went to counseling myself with, with somebody that was not a Christian. Um, I found a counselor that had no skin in the game, right? Wasn't going to try to mold me one shape or way or another. And I went a completely just into isolation, if you will, COVID hit, which was the perfect timing for me. And I just spent that time for that next year, year and a half healing and figuring out what I believed. Instead of what I was taught and told to teach, instead of the neuropathways which are formed when I was a kid that said, hey, you need to be brainwashed and believe this, I'm going to start asking questions. I'm going to start reading things I was not allowed to read. And through that process, I started going, wow, okay, this doesn't line up or that makes sense. Or, you know, I started kind of studying that and going, okay, now who am I? Because my identity had always been just wrapped up in Jesus Christ. Yeah. Who am I outside of that? Did you have a a thought on the LGBTQ issue before your daughter came out? Like it maybe yeah. it wasn't a well developed thought, but it was just the toe of the party line. What where were you at before your daughter came out? How much of a shock was it? And then how much of like uh uh how how long did it take you to like or if any time at all to be like to kind of redirect and be like, Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Now that I'm struck with this as a personal experience, how do I really feel about it? And and did you give it a lot of thought about how you really felt other than just like, I'll just go along to get along. Right. I, I had been 
I had been studying it before she came out. Okay. How um, old was she when she came out? If that she was thirteen, I believe. Eleven. Eleven. I'm sorry. Okay. Eleven. Pretty. And then you were, and that was what year was that? Because you said 2020, uh, COVID eight, gave you time it was to rethink. 2019. Okay. So right before COVID, uh, she right. comes out. You have that oh, to wait, think about. Wait. wait a second. Wait a second. It might have been earlier than that. I remember because I was studying, and and I was studying about the clobber passages. Right. Right. As they're called. And I was doing some textual criticism work on it. Um, and one of my favorite people was like Bart Ehrman. Yeah. Uh, and I used to be a big Metzger, Bruce Metzger fan because that's what I was trained in. Right. Um, and I remember studying it and going, okay, this does not ring true with me. You know, personally. Um, first of all, if you got to look when it was written, who it was by written by, you know, you look cultural, you look at all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, and, and so I personally came to the conclusion that, um, I, I didn't have an issue like, like the church had an issue with it. Yeah. Um, but you can't share that with anybody when you're one of the pastors of the church. What kind of church was it? Was it Southern? Was it a Southern Baptist? Was it Baptist? It was a non-denominational that acted. I mean, basically yeah, the, the dog southern. whistle for Southern Baptist. I got you. Right. Exactly. That's what I was part of. <laughs> exactly. You know the drill. Southern um, Baptist, but they don't pay union dues. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And that's the big reason. No. So, southern Baptist, the reason people tow that line is because they actually get the money. If you go. Yes. Because I was part of a non-denominational church in Boston for a minute. And I was, when I first went to it, I was like, oh, this is the, the pastor of it was my former youth pastor. I was like, this seemed, I thought he was on the track that the, the track that maybe I was on. And I was like, all right, this is where I'll go. I spent less than a year there before I realized that wasn't a good fit for me. And it, that came up. It was like, we're fine with, I don't know. It, we started getting money. Uh, from the Southern Baptist Convention, uh, from the Southern Baptist denomination. And it was like uh, the pastor had to sign like a contract. I will not have a drink. I will not do X, Y, Z. I will not support you, this or that. And then yeah. you get funding. And that's how it's kind of shitty because that's how they um for struggling churches and air and struggling church plants that might not be hard lined on some of those issues. Um, when when you need that almighty dollar, they uh, suddenly are like, well, I guess I'm kind of in agreement with it. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's difficult because um, a few friends of our mine and myself planted a church in Spring Hill, Florida, which is a little bit above Tampa. And one of the big decisions we had was whether or not to take money from Southern Baptist convention, because all three of us were former Southern Baptists. Right. And so but it's with the seminary, too. Right. So we could have very easily. But we didn't want to be controlled by or owned. Right. We wanted to be able to branch out and do more progressive things. Um, but because of that lack of money, I mean, I didn't get a paycheck from the church plant until two years in. And it was like five hundred dollars. So that I would hurt my faith. Without a, <laughs> without a paycheck. 
right? Now, the church itself now has a building. It's about 1,500 people, you know, stuff like that, right? Casey it, left it, church because he thought it was bullshit that he didn't get paid to be there on Sundays. He was like, you're not yeah. wrong. I pay you. <laughs> time is valuable. Yeah. I pay you. <laughs> yeah. Well, your up. time is valuable. That is correct. Turns so out I it's not have... because Casey does waste so much time. It's not that valuable, but. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have kids. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah touche touche so, he's like you know, i can I work on my car for fun you're like oh, yeah no that's called a chore my friend that's a chore <laughs> I, I didn't have anybody to talk with about deconstructing when i when i was at that part right uh, about all of those decisions and it's funny because when my daughter came out I was just right about there, right on the edge of just saying, hey, I can't, I can't morally or ethically for me continue to be a pastor in the church. I was, I was right there. And when she did that, it was just like, yeah, I mean, it all came together. It all makes sense. Um, and, and so once again, I mean, I never impressed, I mean, my daughter didn't buy into the faith ever. And one of the main reasons is I remember when she was young, she was reading the Bible. She came walking to me. You were in the bedroom. bad at teaching it to her. I get it. It's that's well, shameful that's for a former pastor, but I was terrible at like imprinting my ideas onto my children. Right. Just ask them now. All right. Um, <laughs> so terrible at it. Right. So she came walking in my room one night and she goes, dad, I don't like God. I'm like, oh, okay, why is that? She goes, because he killed people for no reason. And I'm like, what do you mean? Well, he drowned all those people, the women, the mother, the children, everybody, instead of saving them. So you already fucked up because you said, what do you mean? But the right question was, how do you know God's a he? Well, I mean, you technically, mean they? I, I hope you mean that. I should have pivoted. And totally like, you know, well, don't focus on that. Look at my hands over here, Um, you know, squirrel. So, um, but I always had this, this philosophy in my house and maybe it was just my inner self screaming, but I, I, the the Socratic method, I always asked them questions. I never wanted to have my so-called faith be their faith. I wanted them to have faith because I had seen as a youth pastor what had happened to high schoolers that had gone through high school and they get college and they're asked these questions they've never entertained before. And the simple answers don't make sense anymore. Right. And they fall away from the faith. So my idea was, Hey, let's ask some questions. If it becomes theirs, it's theirs, right? It's going to be solid. And I never wanted to tell them what to believe or how to believe. It's the same thing I do with my clients. I don't tell them what to believe or how to believe. Um, It's that same philosophy. Right. Something that I think, unfortunately, the, the church misses because they don't want to entertain the hard questions. Right. They, they don't want to say, hey, we don't have the answer for that. Or, yes, the earliest documentation we have for anything written in Scripture is this date. Well, isn't that way past when Jesus died? Yes. You know, I mean, do we have the original manuscripts? No. Oh, OK. So what do we I mean, like. They're afraid to talk about those things, not realizing that I think people can still have faith with those questions. Right. Right. Oh, for sure. Yeah. No. And some people no. are more or less afraid of answering those. I've, you might get a, yeah, but, and then they'll be like, but we have this many and that many, and then there's this and that. And that's why we still know that whatever we have is what was original. And 
you'll get the the workaround. Um, yes. Yeah. And, and that's not always entirely untrue. I think you can still, I think there is a degree to which you can go based on the text we have in the ways that we've seen that over centuries show up uh, and still maintain a level of integrity to a degree in certain areas. Uh, you can get at least that people took this seriously. I don't know. There's an honest way to have that conversation, like you said, and still sure. come out as a, sure. as a faithful Christian. Uh, and then there's a way to just uh, be disingenuous about it. And that's, right. I think, what leads to, I think that even for me led to a lot of like, when you start reading, realizing what's going on, you go, Oh, that's, that's interesting. But that kind of led me for a while into like a, a different form of Christianity where you go, yeah, it's just more of an open-handed faith than it is like this clenched fist is all. You're exactly right. And, and I find that I find that the people that come through that say what you had just said about the open-handed faith and the, in the conversations, they aren't the ones that necessarily are deconstructing or needing therapy or a life coach. It's the ones that have been through the fundamentalist closed fist, um, feel like they've been lied to. Right. Um, and, and something that, that the church has to understand these days is, is yeah, you can sit there and tout a certain something, but people are going to go online and find answers. And they're going to go online and see other avenues or other angles of seeing things. So you might as well just be as honest as you can be about, yeah. you know, what, what the question is, right? Yeah. Honestly. I feel like hardliners set the, the tone no matter where you go. It's like mm-hmm. in any given situation, True. like the most dogmatic person maybe doesn't set the full course of where everything's going, but they at least pull it heavily in their direction. Because, I mean, I feel like there was lots of people in my church that were, you know, I mean, decent, intelligent people willing to, like, entertain questions and conversations and stuff about that. But then there was always, like, a group of just, like, knuckle-dragging morons that, like, it's it's, it's like the, the, you know, the Bible's to be interpreted literally, and it's exactly what it says, and it means this, and there's no other way to interpret it, and that's that, and, blah, blah, blah. and they and they do it. It's funny because they do that same thing with like history, hmm. and the more you like study history, the more you realize like there there is no like just black and white narrative of what something 30 years ago happened, you know, I mean, it's like you hear it from 30 different perspectives and then you try to put together like this, you know, patchwork quilt of what actually happened for as far as you can tell. And, and you're talking about something that's two or 3000 years ago, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a valid point. And I love the idea that I, I think there are people in the church that are incredibly intelligent. And I think you're right. There are people in the church that um, are okay with entertaining questions and looking for answers and being okay not having answers, right, on some of that. Um, It just, unfortunately, I think for the church as a whole, if you will, it doesn't, for some reason, it doesn't come across that way with the people that are behind the pulpit or... Something on those lines, because I, I have a feeling that if those intelligent people or if those people that are willing to entertain questions or had their faith with open hands were behind the pulpit, if you want to call it there, or up there speaking, then the people that are listening 
would have the freedom to at least be themselves or at least ask questions and believe what they needed to believe or wanted to believe or whatever have you without feeling like they're forced in a box. Yeah. Right. There's a, so actually this is something that I wanted to bring up. Uh, I guess now's a good time to, because you've posted a couple of times in different ways on your page about the concept of church as a business. Um, and every, let's honestly, everything's a bit, as soon as someone's salary is dependent on something, uh, it's a business. Uh, sure. I mean, life coaching's a business. So yes, it is. Like, yep. you, it's that doesn't necessarily make something inherently problematic, um, but it does get it does get more chat. Like, so with as a life coach, when it's like your individual clients, they're the ones paying you for the service they're getting. Uh, in a church, it's like everyone's showing up for a social club, um, and they're paying dues essentially to their so it's like being like you might equate it to uh a golf uh like some sort of golf club what do you call those right uh, a country club country club that's how much i don't know anything about golf um a country Either. club where it's like yeah you pay your dues to this one and it might go up based on you know you go well you're gonna pay dues to one unless you're exceptionally wealthy but it's like you pay dues to get what you want out of it you see your people you play your golf you do your thing um, and if there's a problem, maybe you'll switch to another one. So it, it, I guess that's, what's different when you're running a, a lot of pastors who start having mind shifts or changing their minds about something go, they, their, their biggest struggle is as yours was, uh, and I'm curious as to how you dealt with this and how you pivoted to a way in a way that allowed you to, because a lot of the, a lot of pastors problems is this is my livelihood. So I'm either going to slowly ease people into a change uh, and, and, and by and large replace my population. So I go, oh, here's a different idea. It's slightly more progressive and you might lose a dozen people. But, you know, maybe a couple people go, oh, you should check out my church. They're saying some really cool shit right now and some new people show up. And then you're able to do that on a slow and steady scale, but that's still conflicting with your moral compass to some degree, because you're like, I have these beliefs and I want to, I want to present them, but I need to ease into it. But a lot of, a lot of pastors are like, I can't go there because I actually will lose my job and I will actually lose my house and we will actually be homeless. Like there's right. a lot of motivations stake there to, to keep the status quo. So, uh, that's the problem with churches. I don't think it's necessarily wrong for it to function business-like because everything does. You're a counselor, you're a therapist, you're a psychologist. There's a transaction at play. It's fucking America. It's the world we live in. You go, you're paying me for a, for a non-judgmental professional opinion to help you achieve your goals. Uh, but it, it's challenging for pastors to make that shift if they want to. So you did. Um, it's not necessarily wrong to have that model, uh, but it can become challenging for the people who are getting paid by it. And it can result in disingenuous, uh, a disingenuous environment by the person who's leading it. How did that shift for you? And how did you not lose uh your lovely home behind you with some nice little, uh, nice little paintings behind you. How'd you manage to hold uh, on? Well, that? this is not my home. Um, I did lose everything. 
Damn. So, All right. So here we go. Let's get into it. That's okay. So first things first, I think you're right. Business is business, right? Anything that anytime money transaction, anything like that, it happens, right? I think the hard, part for pastors, the hard part for pastors is the fact that they look at their giving list and their, tith- their tithers. Right. Knowing if they say something, they're going to lose X amount of dollars for their biggest tithers. Right. I mean, and they're, they're screwed. Right. So then there's that, okay, do you slowly ease? Well, there's for the, for the, for the, for the idea of, let's say the LGBTQ plus, that's pretty much a, there's no way to ease into like Andy Stanley tried to do it recently. Yeah. That's a dividing line. Most yeah. certainly. And he tried to do it and he did it unsuccessfully in my opinion, because he, you know, he welcomed everybody in, told them how much they're loved and their lifestyle. And then the next Sunday he got like all these kind of comments, stuff like that. So he hunkered back down. It's like, Hey, we love them. I don't believe that it's right. You know I mean? Like he went back. All right. Okay. So that's a hard dividing line. Um, that's a dividing line. Now I was not the lead pastor at the last spot I was at. I was um, the family life pastor. So I was in charge of the people that were in charge of children, teens, young adults, collegians at that time. I had also at another time been in charge of all the adult small group ministries. Okay. Um, And so being in charge of that, there was no way um, for me to continue to exercise my pastorship, if you want to call it that, um, uh, with what I believed as well as having a, uh, LGBTQ plus daughter because I was over family ministries as well. Mm -hmm. All right. So there were some other things that took place at this church that I was at, that I was caught in the middle of because I spoke out against, um, that you were um, a Bitcoin guy, dude. I knew it. Fuck, man. I, I know. Right? <laughs> no, Doge, the executive- Dogecoin? Shit. Casey can, you got, you and it's Casey funny. have a lot to talk it's about. Funny. I was Bitcoin and people at church. No, <laughs> um, there was a, there was an incident at, um, in the leadership realm to where the executive pastor had made a comment about a woman's body that was his, um, uh, his admin. Um, to which became a witch hunt on everybody else but him and the male, all male elders. Elders, I mean, uh, how dare his, her have a body? It's fucked up when you think about right. it. And so my fate was sealed because I was one of those that that thought it was wrong. Um, so at that same time, everything happened. Um, they made me sign a non-disclosure agreement. Damn, for, NDAs. You know things are getting weird when NDAs get brought into the picture. I'm the only one they've ever had sign an NDA. And the reason they knew they could have me do it is because I needed that three-month severance or literally my kids are on the street. Did you haggle? Where you're like, I see you're three, and I up you six. I tried. <laughs> I did. I tried. Totally. I said, this is what I need. Right. Um, so they, they allowed us for being trash. That's exactly right. Right. So, um, but that gave me three months to sell our home, um, find a different job. Um, 
move in the same location so my kids could go to the same school. Um, all of that. And that all happened in a whirlwind. Um, so yeah, I, and at that same time, even though I took a year when I did come out and say, Hey, listen, I'm no longer, you know, classified as this, you know, type of Christian. My mom stopped talking to me over three years ago. Right. I'm going to hell. Right. I lost, I, I don't hear from anybody in all of the churches I've, I've been at right. All the collegiate friends, everything like that, because now I'm tainted, right. Because I've deconstructed. All right. So I've trying to build a life over completely, um, at that. And so you asked about the pivot, the switch is after I went to counseling and after I, 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 I started to heal and kind of see who I am, if you want to call it that without the mold, um, I thought, you know what? I'm sure there are other Christians or deacon people that are deconstructing that are going through this same thing. And I don't want them to feel as lonely as I felt because I know the tactics and I know the behind the scenes and I know how to help them. Right. And so thus I went into training to be a life coach and I use what I know as a you know, a Bible study person or, or degrees or whatever have you to the benefit of helping others that are stuck by themselves, that are lonely, that have never had their voice heard, especially females that have never allowed or, or their stories never been believed, right? Uh, men are a little different. Men, I find when they're deconstructing, it's a little bit more difficult for them to talk about you know, and that's because of the way in which we were raised or the way in which the church raised us or whatever have you, but it's more difficult for them to actually speak kind of what's going on in their mind. Yeah. Um, so that was my pivot. It's like, Hey, you know what? I can help people. What was, uh, so you said it turned into a witch hunt about everybody. So was it some sort of like, to deflect the attention and blame away from this guy. What, I mean, did they just subject everyone to some sort of purity test and like put everybody under a microscope or something like that? Like, Hey, let, let, you know, you want to cast the first stone. Like, we'll, we'll take a look at your browser history sort of thing. Yeah, it was, it was the leadership team. So it was, uh, um, a group of pastors and leadership staff that met every week that called out the issues. Right. And there were a certain amount of issues, right? Browser uh, histories for one. But we primarily focused not even necessarily on what was said, but the action of the executive pastor who um, was being incredibly impacted and influenced to potentially give funds to a certain ministry because his, his wife was in it, um, amongst other things. Um, the pastor of the church sat in that meeting, which was rare for him, and thought it was, did think it was appropriate to call out the executive pastor. The elders came into play and the elders chastised the pastor took the executive pastor's position and called basically everybody in that meeting that was a normal Tuesday meeting or whatever have you, um, and, and basically labeled us all as spreading rumors and gossip that 
it was wrong. And I knew walking in to that meeting with the elders, I knew how it was going to go. Right. You're just like, okay, yeah, it's done. They have their minds made up. They're looking for a scapegoat. They were looking for a scapegoat. Um, and it happened to be one of the scapegoats was the woman that had the comments inappropriately said to her and compared to a beach ball. Right. I mean, it's just there, they were looking and they found what they wanted to found and find, and they didn't want to find anything else. And they kept it hush hush and they shut it down to which then said, okay, she left. I left another person left and then another person left. So you lost four people off that leadership team because of this um, situation, because they all didn't agree with, and they were made to be scapegoats. So um, it, it was, I wouldn't say it was eye-opening. It's expected with an all-male. If you had females on the elder board, things are different. Potentially, right? unless they just buy you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's females on the elder boards because they're like, they're, um, what do you, oh God, what's the word for that? Um, just like the buy, it's just like the, the buy-in people who tow the, like who, uh, maintain the status quo, tow the line. Um, I, I should try to think of the right word. Um, uh, yeah, I, the couple of I things, had, I know some demons in my day. Yeah, Jezebel, real No, I got a couple of questions though. Uh, two things that I'm interested in uh, parsing out, and then um, there's I, and then I want to get into some like specifics of the content um, that you work with online because there's like you you pose a lot of questions and stuff, and I, I find those interesting. Mm-hmm. And I, um, I I do want to get into like maybe some of your thoughts on some of the questions that you pose, but um, I think quickly uh, two things that stuck out to me and it's like you, you went from being a pastor for 20 plus years to having a quick shift into being a life coach and, and helping people leave that world. So I think one potential criticism that could come up is that, yeah, you finally got burnt motherfucker. And now you're just like trying to like do the same, you know, like, well, I got burnt and now I have my bone to pick with this world. So I'm curious. It's just like how you would respond to that type of criticism. Um, And then I also want to hear about like the shift into life coaching and like what that process is. What's the oversight? I imagine that would be like the church, the, the residual church people's criticism would be that, right? right? Like, Oh, so-and-so has got a bone to pick. And so now he's, I think they all want to ask about it. Yeah. Yeah. I think they call it church hurt. Um, it's funny because I am not, um, people that, and you can tell this right real quickly, people that are angry uh, at the church. Um, it's very evident, right? They're angry at the church. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I am, I'm not angry at the church. I've been deconstructing since 2004. All right. I've made peace with a lot of things. Um, I'm generally not an angry person anyways. Um, and my, my work that I do is not necessarily to lead them away from the church. I think that's the, that's the misconception is I celebrate when, and I've had clients before that stay in the church, just move to a different denomination. Yeah. Okay. Right. And I'm, I celebrate that with them. 
right? My, my end goal is not to make them bitter towards the church. It's not to steer them away from spirituality at all. Um, if, if, if they find purpose and, and themselves in spirituality, it's just, they just don't like the, let's say the fundamentalism and they find it right. non-denominational or they find it in Unitarian or wherever they find it. That's fine. I don't hold ill will towards somebody if they're, they're spiritual. Right. Um, and I don't think that necessarily all of church is bad, you know? So it, it's like, do you throw everything out with the baby with the bathwater? Right. You know what I mean? Like, it's like when I got, went through my process of going through my own therapy process and taking times to read and to heal, it was more discovery about myself than even necessarily about the church. Right. Um, why would I expect, especially the people I grew up with, the way I grew up, I, I grew up believing the same things they did, right? And I'm not going to sit there and beat them over the head for what I did before too, right? right. Let me tell you, there are people, their lives are saved because they're in the church. They didn't commit suicide because they're in the church. They, I mean, right. it's not all bad. Right. So it wasn't a pivot of anger or redirecting to become the very thing that the church is to a lot of people, not me, but a lot of people. Right. It wasn't, let me flip a switch so I could sit there and rail against something the way the church has railed against something. Right. It wasn't like I, I, I switched it. Mm -hmm. It was more, Hey, how can I just help people find that peace and that comfort and help them navigate their life to where they actually like themselves and like where they're at. Yeah. Yeah, one of the things that we we talk about quite a bit is there's a there's definitely like a segment in the like evangelical realm that mm. just kind of revels in the bitterness, you know. And yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's like it's kind of like it's like you're thirsty for something and you're drinking salt water, you know. It's it just doesn't. It's it. There's that's a that's a dead end road to just like wallow in the bitterness there and stuff. And you know, I mean, some people have really been through some awful things, but I don't know. You know, we hear from people here and there that you, you kind of want to be like, like, why are you, why are you, why are you dragging this ax around still? You know, well, it's, it's like they replace the anger of fundamentalism with the anger of deconstruction, right? They, they, they just swap it. Yeah. And yeah. often it's like and a swapping can't. of fundamentalist teams too. They might be like, I was you super can't. on this side. And now I'm like, without really yeah. any thought, I've joined a new camp and buy into everything that they propose hook, line and sinker. It's not a, that's, that's the thing is right. Because they're so programmed to think of a team only kind of mentality they like switch so-called teams in their mind. Right. And there's no healing that can be done when you're in the angry, bitter stage. Right. There's, there's little self-discovery that can be done in the angry, bitter stage, which is why a lot of my clients aren't angry necessarily, or they're, they're coming to the end of their anger. Right. Because if you grab somebody that is angry and fueled and just pissed off beyond all beliefs of the church, they're only going to view it one way, no matter what you say, right? They're only going to look at it as a negative. And, and they're only going to look at it as like, how can I apply this negative in my life and make the church pay? It becomes less about 
okay, what work do I need to do to heal and to love people the way I wish the church had loved me? And that's an right? important part. I think you're hitting on something particular. It's like, I, I didn't feel the love that I think I needed that, um, to bring it to a, a, I guess like a counseling perspective, like that Rogers type unconditional positive regard where for someone where it's like, regardless of who you are, what you're thinking, what you believe, mm-hmm. where you're going, how you feel, uh, you're just, I, I have an unconditional positive regard for you is a very life giving thing. And that seems actually Christian and the way that I understood Christianity, but not necessarily something that you were a recipient of, but I think that you're hitting on something special there where it's like, I didn't get that. And I know I didn't get that. And now I'm angry at the place that I thought should have given me that. And now I'm out of that anger. I'm not going to give that to the people, to other people. Um, And I might only direct that positive regard towards some people, but I won't have that positive regard towards people uh, that hurt me because I didn't receive that. And it gets, I mean, it's, and uh, that can get gaslighty too. Like, look, do you want to, uh, do you, do you want to have that regard for your, the people that harmed you? Um, Which then you can get into concepts of forgiveness and who that's for and why it's important. Um, Overvalued. Bastardized by the church as well. So I think you're really hitting on like a lot of the key concepts. Um, Yeah. And in the, in the love part, I mean, I can't tell you how many clients I've had that are just like, they didn't love like Jesus. Right. So um, it's that idea that obviously the high standard set and what love is, especially within the church, is the love of Christ. Right. Like that's the model. Um, You know, God says he's love. But um, I, I think it's important to understand that the anger is twofold, usually within people. It's the. Yeah, the church hurt me. And then the other part is. I felt like I was lied to. They didn't tell me, let me answer the questions that like we had talked about before. And those are the two that generally surface with people I'm talking to. Right. Um, And it's important for them to be able to distinguish between the two. Right. It's important for them to understand how both of those affect them. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and when they get to that point where they can kind of tease that out or understand that, um, and realize that, Hey, in my opinion, that life is like, somebody asked me, it's like, when you left the church, what's your foundation? Well, my foundation's the same. It's always been love. That's, that's just my, my belief. It's like everything do out of love and, and treat people with love. That means people in the church and that means people out of the church. Right. It doesn't you don't get a pass, in my opinion, just from my personal beliefs of being loving towards people in the church. All right. Um, Or else what do I become? I become no better than the fundamentalist who hates LGBTQ people and thinks they should die. In my opinion, love. Right now, at the same time, what that does for me, though, is I do have boundaries. I do have like my own personal thoughts. And it really depends upon each person of who they let in those boundaries, right? And and let into those places. And getting people to trust again and actually trust anything spiritual sometimes, not everybody, but sometimes is really, really difficult because they feel like they've been lied to. 
right? So they want to write everything off. But I find that as they heal through progression of like with my clients, as they heal through progression, they begin to let that spirituality back in. They begin to say, okay, it, it, it wasn't, let's say, God's fault or it wasn't, you know, um, this fault or that fault. And I can, I can, I can brave this because now I'm not told just to stay in this box. I can look outside this box. Yeah. The, the lie to concept is interesting to me and I understand why people feel that way. And despite all the shifts I've had in my life, I've never felt like I was lied to. And I think what's interesting about people feeling that way is a lie, like them lie, like them lying would just be, I know that they're, that this isn't true. And I'm going to tell you anyway, versus like, I've experienced people being wrong about shit my entire fucking life. And I've been wrong about shit. And I never lied to anybody about what I actually believed at the time, but I've been fucking very wrong. So I think that's what's notable is like, if you feel that way, your trust is broken. I, I guess I never felt like my trust was broken. I felt disappointed in people, certainly, but I never felt like anyone lied to me. I was just like, oh, I've changed my mind and I think you're wrong. And I hope you're a respectable person that can have a conversation about why. Um, but to, to enter into a world where your, your trust is shattered because someone was wrong. I'm, I guess I wonder what type of work you would do with someone who feels like they've been lied to. It's like, if you're going to feel like everyone who's been wrong or everyone you've decided is now wrong, has been lying to you the whole time, like you're going to, you're going to have a really fucking difficult time in this world. Oh, for sure. But I would, and I, I, for sure. Right. And I think that goes back to what we talked a little about earlier. Um, the, the fact that just like you, if you had grabbed 31 year old me, mm-hmm. I mean, I was saying things that I wholeheartedly believe was the best for people and truth right out of the Bible wholeheartedly. Was I lying to the person on purpose or trying to deceive them or anything? No, no, not at all. Right. Because of, of what I actually believed in the way I was brought up. Right. And I think that that's one of those things that when you're talking with a client, or you're talking with somebody, it's like, hey, you cannot lump together the church and the people or the leaders of the church and think that they are all purposely lying to you and trying to deceive you. I, I don't think that's the case. All right. Um, now, there are lots of reasons and how those people got into power, if you will, or into leadership or, or whatever have you. Um, but in no way do I personally believe that the majority of, of pastors are sitting around thinking, well, how can I deceive my congregation today? Yeah. Right. I, I would mean, guess that that feeling of like, I've been lied to is more of a, like, I've been betrayed because people made me, be, you know, I believed that these people cared about me and maybe like point. the moment that I broke with the tribe or my, my, you know, my questions and struggles that I was having became like inconvenient or potentially compromising to them. They got scarce. Yeah. That, that's I would a, guess that that's a lot point. of where it's at. Which yeah, is that's, also- that's excellent. Actually. And that is, that's community, right? I mean, that's the community. That's- but yeah, that's also something you. that's experienced by everyone everywhere who 
no longer believes in the stances of the community. I, I mean, you could be in a liberal community and you shift towards conservative. You could be a fucking Alex P. Keaton about it. And all of a sudden you don't have a community anymore. The only way I'd push back on that a little bit would be the fact that the reason why it's so difficult for people that come out of the church is because religion in of itself has a way of orchestrating and dare I say, controlling or having an impact or influence on every aspect of your life. Right? Like it has this way of getting its like it guides your thoughts. It guides your money. It guides, you know, where you go to eat, what movies you see. It guides, I mean, how you parent, it guides all of those kinds of things that, that people, when they come and they vulnerably say, yes, I'm yours. My identity is wrapped up in you. Um, and then the church teaches your identity being wrapped up in Jesus. And by the way, this is what it means to give all of your life, everything you have to God, everything you have to Jesus. And people actually do that. Okay. okay. Walking Here, away. Here's why I want it's to a jump different in type because... of uh, betrayal than, you know, say being kicked out of the right. Lionel train collectors association. But I, I think my, my pushback though, is that, that, my oh, we're experience, it, yeah, I like this. This is fun. My experience is that my experience is that most people in the in the church actually like the the congregations. I that they're not. There's all the conversations about what it means to be a Christian and give all of your. No one's fucking doing that. Nobody is. They're all. Most <laughs> people are just living their lives and showing up on Sundays, showing up to Bible study, and it's more of like a political convention than it is a religious one. And they just intertwine and flip flop the the words a little bit. But I'm, I can tell you, I at least my personal experience is like as someone who's left that that version of, of faith, I'm like. I I'm as someone who is like, of course I feel like I will, of course I'll love my, can, my children unconditionally, but nothing would be more disappointing than if they just became like Trump type Republicans later on. Like that would hurt me deeply. I would love that. Yeah. In case you would love that. <laughs> it made me so happy. But like I just, so I don't know, man. Okay. I guess, I, I guess my, my pushback is that, Whatever the church is saying about what it means to be a Christian, my biggest problem in the church was I was so fucking devoted to it, and I'd spent so much of my life chasing that, which was ultimately an, a, a seeking of the of the people in authority's approval because that's just my problem and my fucking cross to bear is giving a fuck what other people think. But like, I I was so constantly bothered by other people not caring enough about their faith everywhere i mean in my church that was fairly large at liberty university which was just fucking college it was just college kids being college kids at in probably the most benign ways possible when you compare it to other college experiences and it's like it just i think i i don't I, after leaving that in and finding and then shifting towards liberalism and then sh sort of out of the the quote unquote cult of like just democratic cultural liberalism is like it there's they're fucking shit too man i mean they're not good and, and they don't love unconditionally <laughs> and they don't and, and as soon as your dad they find out your dad votes republican they don't give a one fuck about your dad and 
I, my dad's a challenging guy to have a relationship with, but I love him and we'd agree on nothing and we argue too much. And it's like, I don't know. I, I don't, I think liberalism in out in, in, in shifting out of Christianity to just finding the opposite end of that and just being upset. I think, I think they are plagued with the same fucking virus is what I think. Okay. So you, Sam is you the only know. good person in any room. And that's <laughs> the source of your your discontent. <laughs> you 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 jumped. It was good. I mean, you jumped uh, totally. I get it. Okay, I totally get it. But understand that, and I'm sure you do. Um, but but my clientele Don't patronize me. <laughs> my clientele. <laughs> oh, and I'm sure you do. I'm just kidding. I'm, just kidding. I'm sure you do. All right, my clientele. Understand. Um, it's not that they are jumping to one side or the other. These are people that have usually been disowned by their parents. Okay. Uh, you know, these are people that um, have, in their opinion, really given everything they had to this. Okay. Yeah. Now, whether or not they live the life they're supposed to, I don't know, but they believe that they had given everything to it. And because they walked away, family and everything was stripped away. Right. Yeah. It, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I hear that. And I actually, I really sympathize with that. I, I think I was just pushing back against this idea that the grass is greener on the other side. It can be, but it just depends on which pasture you find yourself. Is grass evergreen. I mean, seriously speaking, is it evergreen? I gotta, I, can I, <laughs> Fun fact, I don't know if I've uh, mentioned this on the podcast. Maybe I have, but I did recently come to this like really cool realization that the grass is greener on the other side of the fence uh, idea. My father-in-law has goats. And when you go and look at the goats, literally on the other side of the fence, all the grass is chewed down to the nubs and inside yeah. it's not. And I didn't really, I, I walked over and I saw that and it goes, holy shit. That's what that means. The goats eat the grass on the other side of the fence. So what's how's that portray <laughs> when you're talking about the sheep and the goats in the scripture? So how does that work, right? So um sheep yeah, are dumb but, and they get their heads stuck in the fence. Well, they're just blind obedient <laughs> sheep, right? <laughs> uh, okay. Uh I, I sorry, I did cut you off. If you want if you have a thought you need to finish please finish it. You know, I have lots of thoughts that sometimes go nowhere. Oh, wow. So it's all as I just did. I want, so what, what I feel like right now, uh, it'd be a cool time to move into some of like the content that you post and, and kind of get some of your responses. Like you asked, like I said, you ask questions and I think it'd be cool to get some of your responses to some of the questions you ask. I get, you're assuming I know. I, and I get the, <laughs> I get the resistance to answering that because uh, as a good counselor, you wouldn't want to necessarily put your ideas out there. You're helping people lead themselves into their own. It, it, is, you it is interesting. I get asked all the time. I get asked all the time, what do you believe? Yeah. Right? That's, it, that, I, that's in a session. We're yeah. on a podcast now, my friend, and we can ask you are, anything are you we want. Atheist? <laughs> are you agnostic? Are you this spiritual? Are you, what are you? And I always look and I go, you know what? I have no idea what the hell I am. Um, because literally speaking, people, that's not an answer. I go, yeah, it is. Because every day, if you are growing and striving 
and learning every day. I could sit there and proclaim something today and turn around tomorrow and learn something and go, oh, I was wrong yesterday. Oh, yeah. I, I don't I don't know. Um, and I'm okay with not knowing or, or putting myself in a box. My whole life I've been in a box. I like not being put in a box because really a box is for other people. Somebody asked me that question. It's because they want to be able to classify me or put me in a box. And their idea of what that word means will be different than what my idea of that word will be. And I'll 100%. be putting in their box... So I don't, that's, I was just like, no, I don't answer that question. I so, love that. I feel so we similar. We can go back man. to hypotheticals if that helps. <laughs> Hypothetically speaking. When people ask me, oh, so are you this? I, I it, My first thought is to be like, well, what do you, what do you mean by that? Yeah. It's like, well, then I, now I can explain to you if I'm that, because now I know what you're getting at. Normally I would know. Sam's like, well, what is a white nationalist? Really? <laughs> <laughs> what? I was a Nazi anyway. Um, <laughs> not, a, not a great time to be asking that question. Uh, no, that's a bad one right now, isn't it? We are at, uh, Casey, I'm going to, I've been doing this to you more lately. We're at 115. Oh, you prick. 13. I have to pee, dude. I got to pee. I didn't do it before I came down because I was so distracted. All right, dribble drawers, do you think? I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Brad. I hope you can forgive me too. I'm not worried about Casey's forgiveness. I'm not trying to be offended. My pee. But... It's all good. You're good. Go bathroom. Go to the bathroom. Well, I guess if he is, I am. What? Go on. Wow. You're a lot faster than him. It was quick if you don't wash your hands. <laughs> I love it. Washing hands is overrated. <laughs> oh man uh, you don't have any children you don't have to worry about picking them up with dirty hands right you're in right. sterile that's a it thing people sterile. say it is sterile <laughs> oh man i was watching a soft white underbelly yesterday you ever watch uh, that I haven't so I it's like watch. this this guy that does interviews with just like a very broad variety of people it's a lot of like you know, uh, like he meets a homeless person or he talks to like an ex cop or a drug addict or, you know, just a, a, a huge sliver of the population that he's talked to. Um, but I watched one yesterday where he was talking to a, a grown man in a diaper wearing nothing but a diaper. Oh, it's very man. strange for the show, even as crazy as it is. <laughs> and uh, it's <laughs> just like this grown man that was really into like wetting a diaper. And he said that wasn't the only thing that got him excited. Oh, God. <laughs> but it is how he chose to represent himself to a massive multi-million person YouTube audience as a grown man in a wet diaper. Hell yeah. Uh, yeah, I would reject that client. Oh, in a heartbeat. Yeah, I don't feel qualified to. Uh, I do not feel qualified at all to have that client. <laughs> Just have to push the push your recliner in your office to the back, and then bring in a lawn chair that you can hose off at the end. Oh, the no. session. I feel like they take a shower every time you have a client like that. You know, I mean. I will say, Sam, that um, Casey went to the bathroom and came back faster than you, just so you know. I, he, he claims it's because he didn't wash his hands. I would say it's because he's got a very powerful stream. 
Ooh, ooh. Well done. I well did done, a, I'm doing a number on my porcelain. Wary <laughs> <laughs> through it. At least you don't have like you know, the size of a grapefruit. Um, so it's like this this trickle. <laughs> All right, uh, it's trickling Casey, away. Who's gonna? Do you have a question that you want to pop back in with? Who we can uh, or I can? Oh, I, I would one. love to. Uh, you want me to do another? I can pull out another hypothetical here. Oh, you. Okay. Okay. I was thinking we'd uh, get some of his questions. No, I, well, here, make, a note, give me make a, s- a note of the time. Make a note of the time, and then roll into it. Don't tell me how to do my job. I'm trying to look out for you. I've I ruined. Jeez. I I've already made you. Casey's angry, Brad. It's hard for you to tell, but Casey's so angry. <laughs> He's gonna verbally abuse me later. In text I find. Messages. Okay. I find that the best way to deal with bitterness is to not be angry at the institution, but oh. to direct all of it towards one person. And then you send them threatening letters, mysterious white powder. You break into their <laughs> house when they're not home and just, you don't take anything, but you rearrange the furniture. Just the real, you know, the real let go freak them out a little bit. mentality. I like that. Creepy all crawling. Right. All right. I, I see the love. I can feel it. <laughs> yeah, good, 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 good. So let's say, okay, let's say we've got you got two people that are neighbors of a sort. Okay. One will call him Izzy is, is walking along one day and his neighbor, Paul sucker punches him out of nowhere, drops him right now. Izzy gets back on his feet and he kills all of Paul's children. (laughs) Now, would you agree? Would can, can we all agree? That Izzy has the right to defend himself against Palestine. Paul. (laughs) (laughs) It looks like you guys are nodding. Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) Did Did you prepare that ahead of time? Wow. The magic is flowing. It's the magic of Logan Paul. Can, can we go back to Sam's questions? <laughs> <laughs> and actually, it took me a second. I'm like, Izzy's not a boy's name normally. Wait a second. No, I, I get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, man. No, I like the way you are. Uh, questioning. I like I'm kind of proud you... of that. I like the way you boiled that, was that imp- down to something incredibly simplistic to explain something overly complicated. That's very Christian of you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm glad to see you still got it. Your Christian roots are still intact. Yeah, yeah. Those are some impressive roots. Yeah, yeah. That's that's my critical thinking skills from a Christian school. <laughs> Take All it right. away, Sam. All right, fine. Okay, so you had said previously that you have no interest in like moving people out of the church or like uh, your intent isn't to challenge people's faith. But you had a uh, Instagram post uh, pretty recently where you you posed the question whether or not like religion should essentially be abolished. Um, is religion mm. over overall problematic and should it be abolished? Which you could say was I, just. A- I am- Emphasizing the um, the so-called abuse of children, spiritual abuse of children. You're right. Thank you for clarifying that. Um, and I would it, it's it that's a 
interesting. I find that interesting question from because I guess you have to get into a lot of converse, a lot of uh, nuance and how you would delineate. A lot of people call things spiritual abuse that are just or indoctrination. Um, that I don't know. It, that it's kind of a gray area. That, so, uh, it's, that question, it, I, and it does no. come off as um, it. I I think there's a. Uh, a, t- a kind of a tone to it that has like a what do you think it should be abolished should this be ended or how i mean even if you even if you thought it could how could it be but it does it seems to indicate some of your beliefs uh around religion um and curious oh, as to what maybe uh, your thought is on that that's how i interpreted it but i would be curious to right, hear your response right. so my, my thought was you notice that i i did extremes okay um I went for a very sensitive topic, which has to do with children, right? And then I went for an extreme of not necessarily solving that, but could it be solved through this? All with the intention of of getting the ones that follow me to think about whether or not, I mean, it covered a variety of things. It covered freedom of speech. It covered freedom to, to to believe what you wanted to believe, you know, want to believe is freedom to be a parent and teach your children what you, I mean, it covered a wide net. Uh huh. And, and I was interested, the reason I posed that question, I was interested to see where the people that followed me fell. Okay. And what their belief structures were. Right. Um, Because as you and I both know, it's an impossible question, really. All right. Sure. Yeah. It's it's one where there's no definitive black and white answer. It makes people live in the gray, right? Which I'm a big gray person. All right. I like to challenge people to kind of live in that gray. Um, it wasn't necessarily me, obviously saying this is my belief, which is why I posed it as a question. Um, it was to, Hey, here is something that many people struggle with and believe passionately about how this is wrong. But at the same time, this is something passionately the church believes should be done in the way of educating children, the way they see fit, right. As an institution, how do you marry those two? How do you, is there a, a, is there a way to meet in the middle? Is there a way to, think outside the box than just that yay or nay kind of idea. Right. And so it was more, um, I like getting conversations started. I think we learn through opening up and having conversations. I think we learn through um, our own stories. Right. Um, notice I did not give an answer, um, nor will I, um, for that. I just want to challenge the person that thinks, yes, you have to shut down religion to hear somebody else that says, no, you can't do that. And this is why to where the two sides have to kind of hopefully meet in the middle. And and the one thing about my page that I always stress is it's a safe space. So if anybody starts personally going at somebody or whatever have you starts degrading somebody else, they're off. I don't care if they're a follower of mine or not, they're out. Right. I want to create a page that is a safe space for everybody. So, um, and that question was one that I thought 
I was interested to hear people's answers because I learn mm. from others as well. And I think that's the, that's the thing is, is I never, never think that I have the answer. I'm continually learning. So somebody that is in the institution may say, Hey, this is why. And this, and I may look at them and go, Hey, that's, I get it. And someone over here may go, no, that's, that's child abuse. And I may look and go, I don't really get that. Right. So it just kind of, it's a thought experiment. Yeah, it is just a thought experiment. It and is. It's good for jerking off the algorithm. <laughs> it is. Oh, it so is, right? <laughs> and I'll be honest, like the most responses I get are not necessarily on IG, but on TikTok, right? Um, so okay. when I post something like that on TikTok, right, that's when everybody comes out and good boom, it's right? Millennials and, are on Instagram and Gen Z is on TikTok. Is that why? I don't know. I'm too old to know. I just know. You're just lucky right? you can I, use TikTok. You're all here. scum to me. <laughs> the conversations are, I love the conversations and I love the the DMs and stuff like that I get or whatever have you. And I love that it challenges somebody that's far left and far right. And then they just have really a have to... orgy in the middle. I love that. For yes. You. And so we have moderates. Yeah. Right. So, you know, I, so uh, that's why I did that. I so. think out of all of the things we've talked about, I mean, the most impressive thing is, is that, you know, we don't know your exact age and I imagine we can keep that ambiguous if you would like, but we've declared that you're older uh, and that you don't understand yes, the younger things of life and that it's challenging for you. And I think out of all of it, we can take away that I am impressed that you're on TikTok, and I don't really have a lot to challenge you. On. I mean, it's <laughs> incredible. You figured out how to get, use TikTok. I mean, do you hashtag I'm a fish out of water on like all these people are dancing and moving? I'm just like, if I do that, I'm throwing a hip twerking, right? You know, I'm just, I'm just like, okay, I'm just gonna do the only thing I do, which is sit there. <laughs> right? uh, let's be honest. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go on here pipe. right afterwards. I'm gonna pipe. post a TikTok and be like, true or false? Cisgendered people should be outlawed. <laughs> right. Oh, I'm just. I just million views. I just really, really enjoy. And I know this is weird, but I enjoy hearing people's thoughts. I love seeing them converse and talk because they will in the comments and they share their points of view. And and everybody's got a different one because they come from a different point of view, a different story and their stories mesh. And I just I just love seeing people like and then there's that moment to where they're able to work out their differences and, and say, Hey, I, I understand. I may not agree with you, but you know, I understand. Right. And those are the moments I didn't go, Oh, <laughs> people can listen to each other and they can talk intelligently and rationally together. They can work through things, even if it's online and you don't have a keyboard warrior. Yeah. Like two different understandings of the same thing can exist at the same time. We don't live, like you said, you live in the gray. It's not, uh, it, now I will say you said you wouldn't answer a question, the, that question, but you also did say you like to present it so people can have the conversations to hopefully meet in the middle. So are you telling me you're a, a middle of the road kind of guy on all circumstances and situations? I will never answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> you are consistently ambiguous. I I am just a gray guitar. So. <laughs> okay, I have one more question. Uh, oh God! Which yeah, okay. buckle up, motherfucker. 
Here we go. Okay, so looking at the comments on a lot of different posts, you know, in the evangelical space and stuff, there's a lot of people. There's a there's a consistent theme among like a you know a segment of the comments where you know there's a there's a lot of like uh, lament over how they were raised and how mm. their parents don't um, don't afford them like a degree of like grace and understanding on their on where they are now. Very Will Smithian approach, you know. Parents yeah. just don't understand. Yeah. It's yeah. Yes. I remember that song. Yeah. Okay. Go on. Yeah. But then there's also kind of like, uh, you know, it's like couple, it's like, uh, my parents don't show me enough, like kindness and understanding. They don't entertain my beliefs and my viewpoints like I want them to. But then there's also like a disdain for their parents' viewpoints on everything, which we all have, right? We all have to struggle with that. Is there a point at which, like, do you reach an age or a point in your life where you really need to view that as more of a two-way street? As like, a, hey, you know, you may have to just, like, be okay with the fact that, like, your parents are kind of old school and they are probably not going to you know, come your way on a lot of things. Like maybe a truce is a best, the best possible outcome here. Are you talking about a two state solution between Izzy and Paul? Is that? What <laughs> yeah. In effect. Yes. <laughs> this seems uh, way more unrealistic now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know that, that? Wow. Okay. So, I think that it's evident that I don't know if there's a person in the world that doesn't have some sort of mother or father wound, right? I mean, it's there. Yeah. I mean, how many of us have grown up and been like, I'm not going to parent like my parents parent. You know, I mean, like all that parenting is (laughs) I'm going to hit more. I know. Right. (laughs) So, I think that's that's interesting because uh, you speak of age and you speak of getting to that point of, hey, is it a two-way street, right? Um, I think it's also important to notice that um, much like pastors or much like leaders in the church, you have parents that have their own personal story, have their own personal upbringing, right? They, 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 they were raised a certain way, right? Um, they were trained a certain way. I mean, you look at people that are boomers and people that were, you know, during the depression, uh, you get remarkably different, you know, emphasis, right. On life and what it should be. Um, and so, um, I, I think what I generally do is I dive into that with them from a, a spiritual standpoint. Okay. And anything outside of the spiritual standpoint, I usually honestly direct them towards a therapist. Um, I stick in my lane, right? And and that's the only lane I I, I stay in. Uh, that doesn't mean I don't let them talk. They can talk, they can share, but they need they understand that hey, I I can speak in this area, but your therapist should speak in this area, right? Because um, 
humanity's quirky like that. We all have our different wounds. Um, and some are much deeper than others. And there are some that can't let go of the fact that their parents will never agree with them. And that's a whole different situation, right? And then there are some are just like, I just want them to understand how I am spiritually. And that's a different situation, right? So that's kind of the way I handle it. Um, there, there are some things that are above my pay grade, some things that I will not tackle because I do not have the document that says I have the education to handle it. Um, a professional should handle it. And some people are just happy that you, you don't, you know, SMS, text messaging fees don't apply the way they used to. So that when Casey's being bombarded with bit shoot articles from his mom, he's just like, we can maintain a solid relationship because it's not costing me much of anything other than a little bit of time going down this rabbit hole. But that's my choice. You know, the <laughs> thing is, okay, so the thing is, Ukraine is dotted with biolabs, okay? <laughs> you know Biolabs where they study diseases. And if you look at where the Russians have bombed, it's actually, it's surgically pinpointed to the locations of these biolabs. So mm. in fact- the Russians are the instrument of God here, and the Ukrainians are uh, the instrument of the evil American socialist government. The Russians are so precise with their military, as we've seen. <laughs> <laughs> you say American socialist, Casey? Is that that's that's where they're at? They think that America. I say I meant communist. Oh, 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 <laughs> right. <laughs> We are trending in that direction, certainly over the past century. I get to uh, I get to tap dance around a lot of weird yeah. topics. Yeah, Casey has some fun. <laughs> Casey has some fun maintaining healthy relationships with his family by not. Casey's a pro, man. If you ever need, uh, if you're ever struggling with patience and you need someone to talk to, reach out to Casey because he feels a lot of interesting bullshit. <laughs> Well, then I will keep that um, on record. I will remember that case. <laughs> yeah, maybe I should be a therapist. I throw out a lot of like, yeah, I don't know. Could be. Could be. Could be hypotheticals. <laughs> Could be hypotheticals that the moon is hollow empathy. and it's actually a space station controlled by Ooh. Satan. Well, <laughs> it, Could it, be. it did vibrate really far into when the astronauts dropped it, you know, back when they were there, the vibrations. Oh yeah, the vibrations mm, and the yes. lack of stars and the moon landing was a hoax. Yeah, dude, all that. Space absolutely. is fake. Space is fake. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't exist. <laughs> it's fake news. I mean, it's all fake news. <laughs> God, yeah. awesome, Brad. It's been great talking to you, man. Where can people find you? Uh, they can obviously find me on IG, which uh, you'll be able to find me Brad Coach. You can find me on. Uh, on my website, uh, coachingwithbrad.org. And then, of course, you can find me on the TikTok, right? I'm the Tiki Talk. The aforementioned. Uh, Brad Claus. So uh, wherever you go, that's how the old people say it. So um, you can find me all three of those locations. There are other. I'm on YouTube, stuff like that. But you hit me up uh, on IG, DM me if you have any more questions, and I'll be happy to tell you where I'm all at. If you're a if you're old school and you prefer to make threats over phone call, we will include Brad's number in the description. That's how I roll. Bring me. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. This is a doxing campaign. We have your address, dude. You're finished. Hit me. We got you. Hit me.
up. I dare you. Hit me up. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everybody. Well, thanks for listening, and we will see you next time. Thank you.